The solution to the difficulty in your life is linked to worship, as we'll hear next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Hey, welcome to another Abounding Grace online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed Taylor will be completing our series in 2 Kings today in a message we've titled, Rise Above the Temptations. We're in chapter 25, starting with verse 8. Notice in verse 8 now. Now in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord in the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great men, he burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem. So they're destroying the city. They're taking the capital and burning it all down. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon with the rest of the multitude. This is, remember, the third deportation. And you recall when we went through this earlier, the first time they took captives, there were some familiar guys that they took. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. So that was in the first time they came. They didn't take everyone, just a few thousand. They came a second time. This is the final time. The captain of the guard, verse 12, and they didn't take everyone, but they left a few of the poor in the land as vine dressers and farmers so that Jerusalem didn't become a wilderness. Don't you think there was wisdom from God in that? That they didn't take everyone, so Jerusalem would just become a wilderness, a barren wilderness. They left some people there to take care of the land and to work the land. Verse 13, the bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord, the carts, the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans, they broke in pieces and carried their bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, shovels, trimmers, spoons, and all the bronze utensils which the priests ministered, the firepans, the basins, the things made of solid gold, solid silver, the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, and the carts which Solomon made for the house of the Lord, the bronze and all the articles, was beyond measure. The height of one pillar was 18 cubits, and the capital on it was of bronze. The height of the capital was three cubits, and the network of pomegranates all around the capital were of all of bronze. The second pillar was the same with the network. Verse 18. The captain of the guard took Seraiah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three doorkeepers. He also took out of the city an officer who had charge of the men of war, five men of the king's close associates who were found in the city, the principal scribe of the army who mustered the people of the land, and 60 men of the people of the land who were found in the city. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took these and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And the king of Babylon struck them, put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. Thus Judah was carried away captive from its own land. Then he made Gedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, governor over the people who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left. Now when all the captains of the armies, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. 
Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, Johananun, the son of Keriah, Sarai, the son of Tanhamath, and the Netophatith, and Zahanah. You can look in the mirror and you can not say all these tonight. Practice with your kids. Verse 24. Gedaliah took an oath before them and the men and said to them, Do not be afraid of the servants of the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon and it shall be well with you. Which happens to be the absolute full, complete summary of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah this was Jeremiah's message. You're going to be here a while. You guys study Bible students, you know they're going to be there for how long? 70 years. The years that they did not allow uh, and take the yearly Sabbath. And so the people, small and great, verse 26, captains and armies arose and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. So most of the rest of the chapter, we have the details of Babylon taking Judah captive. In the end, the temple, the palace, the homes were completely burned. All the valuable things were stolen and taken back. Uh, they left the poor to work the land. And most of the people of Judah were taken captive. The city is left in ruins and destroyed. Now remember, Jeremiah was prophesying during this time. When a prophet was sent to the children of Israel, to the nation of Israel, a prophet was sent because they wouldn't listen to the priests. They wouldn't listen to the men that were given responsibility to teach them. And because they wouldn't listen to the priests, God would send a prophet. A prophet's message was always much harder than the priests. It's almost like the, the priests would be used to reason with the people biblically, trying to get their eyes back on God in worship. Because the solutions of so many of our problems it's a simple message from a priest. And I don't mean a Roman Catholic priest. I mean a priest that's sent by God, a man with a spiritual message. Today we would refer to that as a pastor, a spiritual leader. And the message is simple. The solution to the difficulty in your life is to get back to a life of worship. That's really what it means. And I don't mean singing as much as I mean keeping the main thing the main thing. And that's passionately pursuing Jesus Christ with your life. The answer to the issues in your life is worship. There isn't anything that won't be solved in your life in the moment if you're not in a position of worship. Like when you begin to worship, that's, that's one of the benefits of coming together, isn't it? Because even if it's just for a brief few moments, you're caught up in the heavenly scene. And all the cares of the day are set aside. All the worries are captivated by hope. You even begin, if, if, you're, you know, if it's during the song or God speaks a word through a Bible study, you begin to think about heaven. I mean, you're going through a big thing. You got written up at work today or somebody yelled at you or somebody cut you off. And like, you're not thinking about heaven during those times. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I'm not really thinking about heaven. I might think about hell a little bit, but not heaven. You know, in times of difficulty, our eyes are completely off eternal, the, the eternal. So God will send a priest into your life. God will send a pastor, a spiritual man, a spiritual woman to give you a spiritual message. But if you don't receive the easy way, God will send someone to give it to you a little bit harder. And usually the prophets would not only say the same thing that the priest did in the Old Testament, but they'll also give the warning, if you don't do it, it's going to hurt. It's almost like the priest is, you know, when you have two parents in the home and you got the nice one and the not so nice one, the priest is the nice one. You know, it's like the one that the kids go to when they know they're probably going to get a yes. And the prophet is probably the not so nice one or the one that's the, the, that represents discipline in the home where, you know what? Hey, you didn't listen to your mom? This is the way it is. You didn't listen to your dad? This is the way it is. And so God will send a prophet into your life. I wonder how many times God has sent a prophet into your life and you ignored him and you just dismissed it. Maybe it was a prophetic word in a Bible study. It was a prophetic word from a friend. It was a prophetic text message or email. I mean, not, we're not, some, not talking about somebody sharing their opinion with you. 
We're not talking about everybody has an opinion. It's I'm talking about somebody sharing God's opinion with you. This is the word of the Lord unto you. This is what it says. Don't go that way. And I find myself in my own ministry going back and forth between those two offices. Having the privilege of teaching the Bible and being more of an exhorter and an encourager. But if I have to sit down with someone and plead with someone not to sin, it becomes a little more prophetic in their life. It becomes a little stronger. Because if they're going to go down that road, they're going to have to go over me. And they're going to have to go, you know, you, if God put me in your life, I would hope you expect the truth. Um, you're not going to get anything else but the truth. And it's like, you know, what are you even thinking about divorce for? Well, you know, I'm not in love anymore. What kind of nonsense is that? Where did that come from? I'm not in love anymore. Love is a choice. So you don't want to choose to love anymore. That's your problem. Well, Ed, you don't know me. You're Moses. You know, you're such a meanie. I'm going. I'm leaving. I don't intend to be mean, but let's just be, just be serious. Maybe it's not for anyone in this room, but like you're out listening right now, you go, I'm not in love anymore. Show me in the Bible where that is. Well, you know, that's how we got married. We were so in love, and now I'm not in love anymore. Well, you just got to learn what it means to serve and sacrifice on behalf of your spouse. It's a new way of living. It's not the way this world operates. You, you guys, you know, that watch movies and romantic comedies. You know a movie's not real. You know that, right? Do you know they actually shoot movies backwards? Most of the time, they shoot the end scenes before they do the beginnings, and then they get together in a, in a room, put music to it, cut it all up, and put it together. It's not real. And so the idea of this romanticized view of love, now, obviously, God has put man and woman together in marriage to bring great glory and honor to Him and to enjoy one another. And sometimes in marriage, the joy of marriage is choosing to serve and choosing to love a difficult spouse. And so don't let that be caught in your lips. So oh, I'm just not in love anymore. Okay, choose to love. Choose to love with the agape love that God loves you. I mean, imagine, imagine in your own life right now that if God treated you like that, that he only loves you when you deserve to be loved, there would be a stoppage of love because what, which one of us deserved to be loved? And so we need to adopt the language of the Bible. Most of the time a pastor can teach you that, but sometimes God will send you a prophet. And you know what they do to prophets? They stone them. <laughs> they stone them. You know, as you're driving around the city, I don't, I don't know, I, I just, I believe this is from the Lord. I want you guys to have a heart and compassion for other churches in our city. There are many churches that run in a governmental system where the people that oversee the pastor can fire him at any time for any reason. And a lot of guys live under that pressure. And I received a text recently from a friend of mine where in another town, another state, that he was sharing with me some of the insights with this pastor that has been put on notice. It's like this pastor's been written up. The pastor came to town. The church was about 100 adults. Uh, last year represented the largest time ever in the life of this pastor. The church came in that little small town, grew to 800 adults. And God is obvi obviously pouring out his spirit through this man. And because of our mutual friendship uh, with this brother, and I, I trust the brother that asked me to pray for him, reach out to him, that this is a man of integrity, a man that loves his church, a man that serves sacrificially. His wife serves sacrificially. His kids serve sacrificially. 2017 was the high year. 2018, they dipped a little bit. They went from like 800 adults to maybe 700 adults, something 750, some dip. And, and so that also dipped in the budget. And, and so the governing elders there, the governing board of, of their church, decided to fire the assistant pastor to make up the difference. 
and then put the senior pastor on notice that if he doesn't grow the church past 800, they're firing him too. Just pray for churches around town. Um, not all the churches in our town have the freedom that we've been given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes they're in churches are governed by men that don't have a walk with the Lord, that aren't spiritual, that the reality of, and, and by the way, you know, going from 800 to 700, that being a, a reason to fire a pastor, we don't count here, so we would never know. So you can't show up, wait, Ed, I think uh, the, it's time for you to start packing because the church shrank. Wait, you know what? If the church shrank, it's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to love the people that come and love them, just minister to them. But a lot of pastors don't live that way. So now he's got extra stress. And now he's got to go off and probably looking, I don't know because I haven't spoken to him yet, but he's probably looking on, uh, on the internet, you know, findachurchjob.com so that he can provide for his family, so that he can find a place that he can exercise his gifts and his calling. Our church, this church, must remain spiritual. And we're not about the numbers, and we're not about the budget. We're about changed lives. And we believe, listen, we believe that changed lives will take care of all those things. And so we don't count. You know, we estimate, of course. You know, sometimes we estimate, and of course we have auditors come through. We have to look at the numbers of what we have, but that's not where we live. We live in the spiritual realm. We minister to people. And so when you drive around, the reason I'm sharing that story with you is when you drive around this city, pray for the churches in our city. I don't know the government and all of them. I'm not telling you what denomination it is because I don't want you to be suspect. I just want you to pray because this is the people under the care like that get stifled and taken advantage of and they get used and they get burned out and, and they, get, they get mishandled. And it breaks my heart. It, it, it crushes me because sometimes a pastor's prophetic and this is my point. Sometimes a pastor is prophetic and he gets fired. He speaks a strong word to the congregation. The congregation doesn't like it. And they say, we want a new pastor. When all the while, God was being merciful to that church. Being merciful to give us the truth. Listen, we need the truth in a day and age where our ears are tingling. You know, we read a verse like that and we go, oh, yeah, other people's ears tingling. You don't think your ears don't tingle? You don't think that, that the screen time that you have on your phone doesn't make your ears tingle? Some little Facebook ad doesn't get your attention? Something that pops up on YouTube, you were looking at one thing and something pops up on YouTube and that doesn't get your attention? Some little clickbait, you guys understand what the phrase clickbait means? Some headline that gets your attention, all they want is the click because they get paid by click. It's alarming how we're being shaped by our culture, how our kids are being shaped by our culture. And so what does God do when a people is shaped by their culture? He sends a prophet. And he says, look, the culture is ruining you. What was it? What was the big sin? Or actually, what were the two big sins in the nation of Israel? One of them was idolatry. The lack of the true worship of God. The biggest sin that they dealt with was idolatry and just becoming like their culture, where there was no distinction. And it's not just a surface outward thing that we dress a certain way or talk a certain way. It is the very manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life to others. That's the distinction. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. How do you answer that in your life? What does that look like in your life? But instead, there's this pressure to want to be like the culture and to be a part of the culture and to dress like the culture and to act like the culture and to sing like the culture and everything about the culture. And then only one life will soon be passed. 
And you find out the culture is one big lie, that it's just one big scam, that it doesn't fulfill us the way that we thought it would, and idolatry runs rampant. Let me just say this, and we looked at verses 27 through 30 in depth in our last study. We went a little backwards, but remember we learned in the 37th year of captivity of Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, in the 12th month on the 27th day of the month, that evil Merodach, the king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, released Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison. He spoke kindly to him, gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed him from his prison garments and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day all the days of his life. So remember, we looked at this as a beautiful picture of forgiveness. You need to listen to that Bible study, absorb it, receive it. You can still email me. I'll send you the links I mentioned last time. But we learned this, not only was he released, but we learned what forgiveness does. Brought out, comforted, exalted, clothed, favored, and his future was secure. That's the greatest gift that God has given to us in our lives is the forgiveness of our sins. Taking the burden away, his love and grace and mercy. Now, as we close 2 Kings, here's the final word. No nation, no home, no family, no church will rise above its worship of God. That is the capacity. The capacity of our strength is our worship. And the wicked sin of idolatry always divides and destroys. Conformity is a weakness spiritually. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformation is a sign of spiritual maturity. Just conforming to what's around us is immaturity spiritually. It's always weakness. The fear of man will always lead, and I have this in, in capital letters, the fear of man will always lead you away from God into compromise, a place of weakness, and ultimately sin. And you know, God is looking for that man, looking for that woman who will stand strong in the gap for God, dedicated, committed, rising above the temptations, staying strong with their eyes on the prize, not conformed to this world, being transformed by the, transformed by the renewing of our mind, and here is a guide to look in your life. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. I'm going to read it to you in a new living, but you can follow with me in whatever translation you have. James chapter 4, verse 4. A lot of times the question comes up is, I don't know what's from God or what's from this world. You know, because a lot of times the, the definition is, we'll dress this way, do this, and you know, that's the world and worldliness. is Here's, here's God's definition, a good place to start, of what's from heaven and what's from the earth. And I think you'll be surprised on some of the things that James declares here. James chapter 4, verse 4. He starts out with real encouraging words. You adulterers, spiritually, spiritual idolatry. He's speaking to a people idolatrous. Don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. What do you think the scripture means when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealously longs for us to be faithful. He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, hypocrites. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. 
Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him. He will lift you up and give you honor. He will lift you up and give you honor. Humble yourself, repent, admit. Stop playing around with the world. Make a decision to dedicate yourself to the Lord. Now go back to chapter 3, and here's the place where you're going to be able to tell the difference what's from God and what's not from God. Who is wise and understanding? Chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is, what does your Bible say in the New King James? Earthly. It's from the earth. It's a worldly thing. It's earthly. Sensual. And notice, he puts the root of it at what? Demonic. The spirit behind this world system is demonic. How do we know that? Because the devil has come except to steal, kill, and destroy. James says, in spite, this is dem- demonic stuff. I wonder if you've ever considered the stuff you're into as believers in Jesus Christ is actually demonic. and has a demonic info- influence behind it. It says, for where envy, verse 16, and self-seeking exists, confusion, right? God's not the author of confusion. Confusion comes from envy, self-seeking, demonic, worldly, earthly influences. And every evil thing will be there. But notice, the wisdom that's from above, this is, you know it's from God when it's pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let the nation of Israel, being divided into Israel and Judah, be a warning to us. There's been a lot of warnings throughout our study, all from the very beginning of 1 Samuel, watching their lives, seeing those that sought the Lord were blessed, those that didn't seek the Lord were not blessed, those that lived for God were blessed, and so were all the people around them, and those that didn't weren't. It's so vital to stay in that abiding position, resting, trusting, and obeying Jesus Christ, leaving the results to Him. And with that, we've made it through Second Kings here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We hope you got a lot out of it. And if so, we'd like to know. Drop us an email when you visit this website, aboundinggraceradio.com. That's also the place to go for a replay of today's message called Rise Above the Temptations. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us present the teaching of God's Word on both the radio and Internet. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. You'll receive key principles of leadership in both the temporal and spiritual realms. Sanders points to great examples like Moses, Nehemiah, the Apostle Paul, David Livingstone, and Charles Spurgeon. And you'll learn about the cost of leadership, the responsibility of leadership, as well as the qualities and criteria of leadership. Just call 877-30-GRACE to make your request and donation today. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Well, Pastor Ed, the book of Genesis is on deck. Could you give our listeners a preview? Oh, yes. 
This is going to be great. I just finished teaching the book of Genesis for us as a church, so this is fresh, it's new, it's relevant, the book of beginnings. It is. It was so good for our church. Uh, I was encouraged. You know, after the pandemic and such, I really felt like the Lord was calling our church back to beginnings. So on our weekend services, we're studying through the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. And then on our midweek services, we went all the way to Genesis, the beginning of everything. And I mean, most of Genesis is about Joseph at the end, by the way. I know everybody gets caught up on the science part of it and creation part, and that's good, believe me. But more space is given to the life of Joseph than anything else, anyone else. It's so good. you got to tune in, uh, invite your friends, be ready, share the podcast, because, you know, we podcast this. You could forward the podcast. You can go to oneplace.com. A lot of great teachers there, oneplace.com. And, and then put my name in there, Ed Taylor. You can listen to the daily broadcast there as well. Also, AboundingGraceRadio.com. AboundingGraceRadio.com is a place where you can forward this. This is not only do we want you to be a part of it and receive it, we want you to give it away. Genesis is going to be great. It, it, it was so healthy for our church. Tune in. It's going to be great. That all starts next week on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Join the journey through Genesis. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.